Hey everybody, welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. Alex Halstead here from 24-7 Sports and I'm coming back at you with another edition of the Cyclone Scoop and this one is focused on recruiting. Iowa State will begin fall camp on August 2nd. I'm talking to you in the final days of July. There's going to be plenty of time to talk about fall camp and the lead up to the 2019 season. We'll do a lot of that in August. But before we get to August, I did want to take a step back and look at Iowa State's 2020 recruiting class because it's been a busy summer for Matt Campbell and company. They're now up to 18 commits. They're nearing the finish line on the 2020 recruiting class well ahead of the early signing day in December. I'm going to get some help to do this in just a little bit from 24-7 Sports recruiting analyst Charles Power. He's one of five members on the 24-7 Sports Rankings Council, which plays a big role in evaluating these prospects and also puts together the top 247 list, which an Iowa State commit is now a member of. So I'm going to bring on Charles here in just a little bit. But before we get to him, I did want to kind of take a step back and look at the last two months of recruiting because it's been a busy one for me, and uh, that's be that's because it's been a busy one for Matt Campbell and his coaching staff. Uh, like I said at the top, Iowa State is now up to 18 commits in the 2020 class. The Cyclones went into June with six commits, and so in the last two months, they've added 12 commits. Two-thirds of the class has been uh, added in summer recruiting. All 12 of those commits stemmed from visits, including seven official visitors. Iowa State had 13 official visitors during the summer. All 13 of those prospects have made decisions now. Seven of them picked Iowa State. So seven of 13 was the hit rate on official visits to date uh, through the summer. And Iowa State will obviously bring in more official visitors once the season gets rolling. Uh, as uh, August approaches, Iowa State's recruiting class is ranked number 32nd nationally, including number three in the Big 12. Uh, the Cyclones have a 24-7 sports composite average of 8531. That's on pace to be the second straight class above 85, of course, when you look back to the 2019 recruiting class last year, that was the first class on record with a 24-7 sports composite average above 85. So Iowa State's looking to have its second straight class above an 85 average. Um, and that's just kind of continuing the upward trajectory uh, for Matt Campbell. If you take out the long snapper in this class, uh, which is a little bit unfair because, you know, it's part of the class, but, you know, uh, specialists kind of get evaluated on a different level. But if you do take out the long snapper, the average right now is 8568, which would be a program record for 24-7 sports composite average in a recruiting class. Uh, all that aside, Iowa State, like I said, is at 18. This class is probably going to get to 21 or slightly above. And so there's not a whole lot of room left. Um, right now, the Cyclones uh, have 12 of their 18 prospects from the Midwest. And, um, you know, that's still kind of on par with what Matt Campbell's done. Two-thirds of the class coming from Midwest states. Uh, 10 on offense, 7 on defense, and then 1 on special teams with a long snapper. So uh, you kind of look up and down this class, and it's pretty well balanced. Um, the Cyclones' lowest skill position player is an 8-3-1-5 in linebacker Hunter Zenzen from Minnesota. The Cyclones have taken a combination of players who they've really battled uh, Power 5 schools. You look at the top of the class with Hunter Deckers, and they beat out Purdue, Indiana, Kansas State. You look at the number two player in the class, Daniel Jackson from the San Antonio area. Uh, his last visit before committing to Iowa State was to USC. He had 15 Power 5 offers total, including Iowa State, before he picked the Cyclones this summer. And then you look at prospects on the other end of the spectrum, like an Aiden Bitter down in Florida. Iowa State is his only Power 5 offer, but they really liked him and made a push for him. So you have a combination of you know really winning big Power 5 battles and you have a combination of Iowa State making evaluations, some of them really early evaluations, and uh, sticking with that and liking players 
and adding them to the recruiting class as well. So you see it really across the board. Uh, Iowa State's kind of went in different directions with this recruiting class. What's left with the recruiting class? Uh, like I said, 18 commits uh, could get up to, say, 21, maybe slightly above. That doesn't leave a whole lot of room. Iowa State's got three positions of focus right now as they head into fall camp and uh, eventually the 2019 season. They still need a cornerback. They still need a defensive tackle, and they still need a defensive end. Uh, cornerback is a position they have nobody in right now. They've got three defensive backs committed, all three are safeties, and so they really need to get a corner in this class. They're really young at that position entering 2019, uh, but they still need to go and get a recruit there. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, cornerback Michael Antoine is the name to watch right now. He's going to visit Iowa State for the season opener against Northern Iowa. Uh, Missouri, Minnesota, Boston College, FIU, in South Florida are also in the mix for him, uh, but Iowa State, I think, is trending in the right direction for that Sunshine State prospect, and uh, he could fill the cornerback forward in this class. When you shift to the defensive line, Iowa State does have a couple commits there. This is probably the most critical position of the recruiting class for Matt Campbell. Uh, you know, you look at the roster after 2019, they lose four of their top six defensive linemen by way of Jaquan Bailey, Ray Lima, Jamal Johnson, and Matt Leo. They really have to replenish that. They've started doing that. Their top defensive end target, Johnny Wilson, is committed. Their top defensive uh, tackle target, Willis Singleton, is committed. But they still need another defensive tackle and another defensive end just to replace what they lose. Dylan Davis is a defensive tackle down in Florida, uh, You know, a prospect that they've identified and they're going to make a push for. Uh, he's already visited in the summer. They're probably in a pretty good position with him right now. And uh, we'll see what happens there. He's probably the name to watch at the defensive tackle position. Defensive end is the one they still got to kind of figure out what they want to do. Uh, they've got Johnny Wilson committed, like I said, but the other names on the board right now, there's just not many there. And I think this is going to be a position that once the season begins, uh, Iowa State's going to kind of find more names, see some senior film, and uh, they'll end up with another defensive end in this class. It's just a little bit more of a mystery than maybe who they're targeting at those other positions I mentioned. Uh, so I think that that kind of is a quick little recap of how the summer went and uh, what's ahead. Hopefully didn't go through that too fast. But uh, I'm going to bring on 24-7 sports recruiting analyst Charles Power, who has been to several opening regionals and was at the Elite 11. And uh, Charles, uh, thanks for coming on to help break down some of Iowa State's commits. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Let's start at the quarterback position because you've seen both of Iowa State's guys um, and that's been highlighted by Hunter Deckers, a, a fast riser, you know, went into the spring without really any offers, committed to Iowa State in the summer with several Power 5 offers and then was the big ratings riser in the recent release of the top 247. What did you guys like about Hunter at the lead 11 and, and what have you kind of seen from him? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to kind of see see kind of, you know, Hunter Decker's rise and just the progression. I, I feel like I actually, you know, got a, a an earlier look at him than most people. Um, Chance Linton, who who works with us at 24-7 Sports, actually kind of came across came across his stats and his video and, and sent it to me uh, several months ago. It was probably maybe March. It was it was right before he started to blow up blow up. I think he maybe had like one or two offers, but I don't I don't think they were like power five offers or anything like that. Um and I watched it and I was like, man, this this kid's definitely pretty interesting. You know, he's you see him out there, he's, you know, making plays. He obviously had really good production. Um and, you know, like I think they won won a state championship and kind of you know, like the the creative place he was making was really impressive. It, it looked like he had a strong arm and, and good size, but you know, he's plays 
such a small um, classification. I think it's the lowest um, 11 man class in the state of Iowa. So I, I, with him, it was really more about like kind of seeing him in person and validating it. Cause I guess when you kind of, especially when you have a quarterback who dominates to that degree um, with the competition level, you kind of, he's a, he's a guy you want to see in person. So, um, you know, we saw him, we saw him at the, at the Nashville regional and just to kind of paint the picture of, of kind of how they, split things up um, at these events. Uh, they kind of will maybe like split the skill players up into like four groups. And he wasn't in the the A group in that at that event. Um, so I kind of I saw he was there and I kind of made a point to to follow him a little bit because it's kind of easy. Like I think if you if you cover these events and you don't and you you can kind of maybe lose track of um, quarterbacks it's kind of hard to watch all four groups at once. It, it, if they aren't in the A group. So I, I saw he was in, in kind of another group and I, I was like, all right, I definitely need to watch him because he's one that we could probably benefit from seeing in person. And uh, he was pretty good at that camp. I mean, it was, it was inclement weather. It was like, it was raining. Um, not, not ideal, but uh, you know, he was good enough there to get invited to the finals. And then we got a, you know, a really good extended look at him um, at the finals. I, I was there for, I guess like all five days. I think that they, had the elite 11 in the opening together. Um, he was really good. He was, I think the first thing with, with Deckers is he's a very, he's got a very like big, like strapping build. He looks like, like a college linebacker, um, right now. And, uh, you know, seeing him throw, I, you know, he never looked out of place. Like, I think he, he was definitely like one of the better, you know, in the top half of the quarterbacks there. I think they had 20 and, and he was comfortably in our top 11, um, you know, I think when you're talking with like, like left-handed quarterbacks, sometimes they can have maybe a hitch or a funky delivery. That's not the case with him. Um, it comes out clean. He's got a strong arm. Um, he had no problem adjusting to the speed of play. And, and I think everybody, like all of the guys on our, on our rankings group were, where we were all kind of, you know, in, you know, in, in agreement that he was one that, that was like probably maybe the, the most pleasant surprise kind of biggest riser for us. Cause we, it was him and CJ Stroud, um, another kind of former three star were the two that we moved up in the rankings. Uh, and we kind of expected that from Stroud, but with Deckers, it was a little bit more of an unknown going into like, just, we weren't sure how he would respond, but, um, he was really good. So I, I think when you're, when you're talking about kind of, you know, if, if you're an Ohio state fan or, or following it, that was, that would, be kind of what you want to see from from a guy like him in, in in that setting. Yeah, it's been an interesting rise, like you said. When he went to the spring, he had a few FCS offers, and then mm-hmm. you know Purdue, Indiana, Kansas State, Iowa State all jump in, and uh, it would have been interesting to see maybe where his recruitment would have continued to go. But uh, I think he committed to Iowa State within about a two week span, and a kid that's you know on pace to be the first passer in Iowa State or in the state of Iowa history uh, to pass for ten thousand yards in a career. So he's obviously got a lot on tape that you can watch but like you said it needed to be maybe validated in person and uh, for people listening he's moved up to 233 nationally by 24 7 sports that's the number seven dual threat quarterback obviously you don't get to see much of the running aspect in this but um, he does seem like maybe that true dual threat quarterback uh, based on the build yeah I, I think you could probably do do some interesting stuff with him in the run game um, with like quarterback power runs and I think it I think that even like that that's a good point on on your part I, I think you know we enter those events trying to kind of just look at this as what it is and it's really almost just kind of 
it's a passing contest. So we 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 do put I th- I feel like probably more than most people we put emphasis on watching their their footwork, their drops, how they move, um, and not strictly just staring at the the ball in the air. Um, but I yeah I th- I think he offers a lot of versatility, um, kind of with his ability to, you know, c- kind of create a you know a a mismatch as an inside runner. Um, and, and then he has like a lot of, when you watch his video, he has like a lot of creativity where he can kind of spin out of tackles and improvise and make some plays. And I mean, I think his style of play is, is a really good fit for the big 12 and, and kind of what you've seen, you know, um, Iowa state do recently. One of Iowa state's other top commits, uh, is Aiden Bowman, a quarterback out of Buffalo, Minnesota. He was the first commit of the class more than a year ago. Iowa State saw him early, early in the cycle and offered, and he committed. He's been at camp with Iowa State four times. Uh, I've seen him three of those four times, and um, they really liked they really liked him from the beginning. Obviously, he was the first quarterback they took, and then Decker's kind of continued to come along. Uh, but Bowman's really interesting in the fact that he's you know got the frame you look for six five two hundred plus now. Um, you know, another lefty, so you know it's something to look for there. Like you said, with that arm motion and stuff. What what have you seen from him? Because I think you were down in Nashville. He's done one national camp ever, and it was that right. one in Nashville. Otherwise, he's not got out gotten out to camps, which does make it harder for obviously you guys. Right. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think with with, with Bowman, um, he's definitely more of a uh, kind of an in structure, you know, pure pocket passer. Um, that that like that national camp was probably not like kind of with Decker's like it was not great conditions. It was like raining and the balls were slippery and really only a few guys there were, were really throwing like kind of kind of a, a clean ball throughout the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he kind of fits, you know, your your prototype um, big drop back passer probably has a little different a little different skill set. Um, than than Decker's at this point, um, and, he, and he I would think he's probably more of your your in structure guy, but um, but yeah I mean I, I think he definitely has some physical tools, good arm. I, you know I I like that he's a basketball player, um, especially maybe when you're talking about a guy who's not necessarily gonna be like more of a runner mobile type. I, I think it's always good to kind of see see them play multiple sports. Um, and that's, so that's that's another thing I would I would like with him. And I and I think too, like I, I think when you're looking at quarterback recruiting in, in 2019, I this I think taking two quarterbacks is if you can do it, like I would I would do it because with with the way quarterbacks are transferring now, it's really becomes a numbers game, and, and you kind of ensure yourself the best odds of having, you know, the best possible starting quarterback that you can have by just kind of, you know, playing the numbers and, and bring, bringing guys in. I, I think one of the biggest mistakes a, a school can make from a quarterback depth chart standpoint is just, like, not taking one and trying to get, like, the the highly rated junior. Like, we've seen a ton of instances where that doesn't that doesn't work. So, um, you know, I think and, – and, and, and we've seen some teams kind of veer towards the two-quarterback um, class. So, I you know – um, I, I, I think that's a good call by, by Iowa State um, just, just in terms of like from a recruiting strategy standpoint. So, I, I mean, I think, I think when you're talking that, – that, that those are two quality quarterbacks and, and that's, you know, pretty, pretty valuable, I think. 
Yeah, and I think last year was probably going to be a difficult recruiting class for Iowa State quarterback-wise because you bring in Brock Purdy. He plays as a true freshman, and that's just going to make it more difficult to to get another guy that, you know, is like, hey, how do I match up with him class-wise? I'm sure I, I haven't looked that closely, but I'm sure even a school like Clemson probably, you know, some of those kids probably do a double take with Trevor Lawrence for sure locked in the next couple years, and it's, yep. di- it's different there, but um, that's something. And the, these two will be separated. Bowman's going to come in mid-year. Deckers is going to come in in um, June next year, so they will be separated in that regard a little bit. Uh, the interesting thing with Bowman I think Iowa State really liked is – Personality-wise, I think Campbell thought he was a good fit from the sounds of it. And one of the things with him is his dad, Todd Bowman, spent 10 years in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings and Jaguars and stuff. So he's his coach. You know he's getting developed by somebody who's been there. So uh, that that's kind of intriguing as well with him. But like yeah. you said, two, two really good quarterbacks. Yeah, one thing too is I, I think it's a good point on, on his dad playing the NFL. So, like, you know, we hear a lot of time, you know, uh, you know, he's a coach's son and I, I think there is some value to that, but just for our purposes, when we're talking about trying to project, you know, players, like how good their ulti- like their ultimate ceiling is in, in college. And, you know, if, if they're a highly rated player, hopefully the, the NFL, um, I think you see a lot stronger correlation with, um, you know, quarterbacks and, and players in general who have, who have parents who are professional athletes than you do if they were coaches. I think the strongest correlation with being a coach's son is you're probably more likely to be a coach um, whenever you're done playing. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't hurt from like a um, you know just a, a work ethic or maybe adjustment standpoint. But I really like it, when you're talking Bowman. I really like that his dad played in the NFL more than his dad being a coach, just just for our purposes. Because like if you look at the NFL quarterbacks. There's so many quarterbacks that are current starters who have parents who were professional athletes. Like Jared Goff's dad played major leagues. Patrick Mahomes' dad played in the major leagues. Um, like the Mannings. Uh, there's like Russell Wilson's dad was in was in an NFL training camp. So, and I think Philip Rivers might be the only starter whose dad was a coach. So, um, just something I, I've I've kind of picked up on recently. Um, you know, just kind of looking at quarterbacks and looking at their their trends and their arcs, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that his dad played for that long in the NFL is is certainly a positive. Yeah, and I'm not saying Brock Purdy's going to the NFL, but his dad played uh, baseball at Miami yeah. and in the minor leagues yeah. for like seven, eight years yep. as well for baseball. So it's just, it might even be more of a mindset thing even sometimes. But uh, I wanted to move on to um, the receiver position because this is another position that you've seen a lot, uh, at least with Iowa State's class. And um, that's one of the reasons I brought you on. You're part of the 24-7 Sports Rankings Council. Uh, that's a five-member group, right? Yep, it's, there's five of us. So there's, you know, you're one of those five that you know, plays a big role in, in where these guys are evaluated. And you saw another one of their commits at a regional. So he didn't make the opening or anything, but Daniel Jackson, wide receiver out of basically San Antonio, six foot one, 210. Uh, Iowa State, I think, thinks he can play inside or outside. He's their number Two-ranked recruit in the class, had 15 Power 5 offers. Um, his visits were you know, USC, Iowa State, and I think Arizona State before the commitment. But what did you see about him? Because you know, he's, he's like an 88 for us at 24-7 sports, and um, you know, that's obviously a good initial rating out of the opening regional. Yeah, yeah he, um, I, I, I was kind of anticipating um, seeing him. I saw him in Houston. I think it was in, maybe in March, um, in the middle of March. But uh, – yeah, he was he was good. Um, you know, really smooth. I think he has a good combination of size and and, and athleticism. Um, 
strong, like really strong hands, which I think when you kind of look at, when you look at Iowa State's receivers, that's really kind of something that they've emphasized or just, you know, had, had a a lot of, um, you know, under Matt Campbell, you kind of think of guys like, like Hakeem Butler, Alan Lazard, I, you know, Daniel Jackson doesn't have the, the frame or, or stature catch radius of those guys, but he's, he's very strong at the catch point. And I think that's something that they kind of value that they kind of, you know, they, they like throwing it up and, and having their guys go up and get it. Um, so I thought he was, I thought he was really good at, at, at that event. Um, it was a, a lot of good receivers there. I think when you're talking about, you know, playing in the big 12 and, uh, so you, so you're going to be in Texas a lot. It kind of helps your, your exposure, um, if you're Iowa state. And I think it, in, when rec- with, like recruiting receivers, it's really, I think when you're looking at skill positions, it's one of the ones where it's really important just to have like your, to be developed. Like I, I that, that's not a position where we're going to project as much physically, or we're going to project as much skill development. So you kind of value, um, you know, the, the intricacies of of you know route running and how they catch the ball um, probably more so than than you would position specific skills at other positions. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's I think he's a really good kid. You know, obviously, like you mentioned, I he had you know a lot of offers. You know, took official visits to Arizona State and USC. Um, so so this is a guy who who is pretty coveted. Um, you know, kind of across the board nationally. So I think to go, you know, to go in and get him, that that that's a pretty good pairing when you, when you're talking about him and the quarterbacks as as just kind of the the base for for this class um, in terms of skill positions. One of their other receivers in the class is Xavier Hutchinson from Blinn College, um, top ten receiver at the JUCO level uh, by 24/7 Sports, top 50 JUCO right now. I know it's still pretty early for JUCO evaluations and that sort of thing, but he was the JUCO Iowa State wanted from really the beginning, uh, really the only one I think I ever talked to, just because that's who they keyed in on. I think uh, one of his teammates at Blinn College is also a top Juco receiver, so he's splitting splitting targets there uh, at a talented Juco. But um, what do you like about him? Because he's, he's a little bit bigger frame, 6'3", uh, almost 200 pounds, and a guy that will enroll early. And for Iowa State fans, they might see him sooner than they do Jackson. Although Jackson, I guess, you know, could pop up quick too because that's a position yeah. where sometimes you play early. Yeah, and in Jackson, Jackson plays at, at at a high school that that does a good job developing players. They they typically, you know, come in ready to play. Like I guess a good example there is like you know Caden Stearns, who was I think the Big Twelve defensive like player like rookie of the year, freshman of the year on defense. Um, went to that same high school. This is a it's like a, it's it's a power high school, probably one of the top two I would say in the San Antonio area. But um, with yeah with with, with Hutchinson, I, I think he. I thought that's a good point on your part with the JUCO rankings being fluid because you with guys in, in junior college you might not always see a ton of production early on and, and it, the the rosters are typically so fluid um, that you really might see like the uptick their second year which is kind of what I would expect for Hutchinson um, you know he he kind of played in a rotational role as a freshman but he has a lot of physical ability um, I think he runs I think their staff timed him you know. Four four five to go with. I think he's like six three one ninety. Um, you know, he's he's a long strider. He he's got pretty explosive explosive movements. Um, has the look of maybe like a vertical threat, which is like kind of like I mentioned earlier with with Jackson. That's something that Iowa State uh, um, tends to value. Um, I, I think he can you know go up and get jump balls. Um, 
and he had a, he had a big senior year, like when he was coming out of high school, um, 18 touchdowns, you know, played basketball. So, um, I think there's a lot to like there and, and I could definitely see him as one who, you know, kind of sees his stock rise if he has a big year. And, and like you mentioned, um, at Blinn, he's playing opposite Danny Gray, who is, um, you know, another top Juco receiver He's committed to TCU. So I would expect the Blinn offense to put up a lot of points, um, you know, or at least put up a lot of yards passing this year. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how those guys play just because I think a lot of teams they play probably aren't going to be able to, you know, give one side too much attention. So they should probably get pretty good looks, at least from like a efficiency standpoint um, in terms of the coverages they're going to see. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, those two, those two receivers that that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good haul for the Cyclones, in my opinion. I wanted to kind of switch subjects quick to the kind of the evaluation standpoint, because Iowa State's still in the area of, you know, you've seen their numbers in terms of like average composite score and those sorts of things. And just they're going against more power five schools under Matt Campbell uh, now in his fifth class. And so you've seen the uptick in recruiting, but he's still in a type of area where Campbell likes to call himself a developmental program where he's still got to go get some of these developmental kids that are maybe under the radar you know, for various reasons, whether they're small town Iowa or whatever, there's a couple kids like that in this class. You look at Aiden Bitter, the third wide receiver that um, you probably haven't seen yet, but you know he's small tech, small Florida. Um, you know, puts up some numbers there, but they're really projecting out. You know, a 22-8 long jumper, uh, 6-8 high jumper, 14-5, 10 hurdles. You know, they're kind of projecting that along with you know his frame. I think he's got a 6-5 wingspan on his 6'3 body, so there's that. Then you look at linebacker, and they've got a kid, Cole Peterson, from small town Iowa, um, who I think they think is one of the top players in their class, but he's another kid that, you know, he plays every position both ways on a really tiny team. How do you guys, you know, use different metrics? Because it seems like track's becoming a bigger thing and different things to try to evaluate some of these guys when you maybe can't see them a ton or you can't really evaluate the level of competition they're going against. Yeah, I think think in – if, if you're Iowa State, I think this is a smart strategy. Um, you know, there's probably, following, like, recruiting on the national level, there's really, like, five teams that, that, that dominate um, just kind of from, from a national prospect standpoint. You're talking Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, um, and Georgia. Or, like, they kind of get, like, who they want. And then the rest, like, I think if – if you're if you're a program that's not in that top five, I think recruiting the way you kind of laid out is is really smart. Um, it's kind of like I kind of view it as like the like the money ball way of, of recruiting. You're you're projecting um, you're projecting growth potential. Those are typically guys who you you want to bring in as many players that you can build up in your weight program. Um, and kind of see that progression than having guys that you're gonna have to come in and like try to cut weight. Um, those are the ones that you like, kind of the small school guys who you know we 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 follow the NFL draft really closely to try to kind of figure out you know which players end up being the best you know the best players in college and and ultimately high draft picks and and that's one thing we see is you know these kind of small town guys who play multiple positions, multiple sports. Um, you know, are, are well-rounded athletically, but still probably have a, you know, some, some growth, uh, to do once they get to, once they get to college and 
redshirt. I think when you look at the draft, like a, a ton of guys that went in the first round redshirted this year. I think it was maybe like almost like half the first rounders redshirted this year. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's something I feel like we've definitely warmed up to a lot when we're looking at recruits. Um, you know, I think I think the the impulse when you're doing kind of what we do is to maybe get caught up in how guys look when they're freshmen. But we're playing the long game here, um, so we don't we try not to get too um, reactive. Um, you know, in, in, in early career contributions, we were trying to look at like the, their, their total, um, you know, career arc and kind of where they're going to peak. Uh, but like, though, like we, I feel like we increasingly value those kind of players. And I think you're seeing a lot of smart teams start to recruit that way. Um, you know, Iowa state being one. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for that. And then I think too, like, I think when you're talking about, when you're talking about, you know, we always like we always talk about you know how a head coach fits at a program, like culture fit and all this kind of stuff. Well, I really think like when you look at it, it really comes down to two things. Obviously, I think what kind of offense they run and how that fits, you know, against the teams they play. Is it a competitive advantage, stuff like that? I think that's kind of a given. But also, too, I think your recruiting philosophy and how that fits in with the talent in your recruiting footprint is a huge deal to me. And I think. Matt Campbell's a really good fit at, at Iowa State for that reason. They kind of they're they're used to kind of mining these guys. Um, you know, when they were at Toledo, it, it's kind of been a seamless transition in, in kind of figuring out. And and I think when you look at when you look at um, you know Iowa in the Midwest and just kind of what what kind of players can you best develop to kind of optimize your roster. Those are the kind of guys it's the, it's the small town, small school guys that play a lot of different positions that you can kind of, um, you know, build their bodies up and kind of turn them into these like jumbo athletes. So, um, I'm all for that. I think that's a great strategy and they're obviously doing a really good job of that. Yeah. And it's interesting from the, the fan perspective is like, they like to see the big, they get a little bit more hyped over the big battles, but you look at a Mike Rose, and he they flipped him from Ball State, and he started all 13 games and last year were, and was a true freshman All-American. So they've, they've shown an ability to still mine some of those guys, even if obviously they do want to also be competing against these power, power five battles. So it's an interesting territory, but I think fans have kind of gotten a little bit more comfortable with understanding that not every player is going to be a power five battle, and sometimes they're going to have one offer. They're going to be a small-town Iowa kid, and their offer is going to be Iowa State, and they might right. you know, still pan out. Yeah, and I think I, I think the uh, I think the 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 instinct there is to maybe you know get caught up in offers or star rankings early on, and you know all that's great. Like obviously, like that's that's where we can make our hay. But um, but for our purposes, we we might be a little slower to you know move the rankings on ones who are projections, but that's really what we look for. And we monitor this really like I, I find the senior season to be huge. Um, and, and that's something that we, we monitor really closely and we, we monitor projection. You know, when you think about it, it's, it's the biggest sample size. It's the most recent sample size. So while a lot of, you know, recruiting hype and attention might be generated early on just because how everything's so accelerated now, like, you know, we, we monitor this until January um, and, and some of these guys are already on campus. So I, I'm sure there's probably a couple guys, um, in Iowa State's class that are going to move up, you know, uh, just kind of off of how they progress. And so while, you know, there might not be a ton of fanfare 
for 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 those types of players, uh, you know, for the majority of their recruitment, that doesn't mean we we value them less ultimately. And and I feel like we have kind of, um, you know, kind of, I guess, made it our mission in, in a certain way to make sure that we, uh, you know, kind of canvas all of that and and kind of leave no stone stone unturned and, and not get too caught up in um, players who have a bunch of attention early because that doesn't really always correlate to you know, who ends up being the best by the time they sign. Yeah, for sure. And I, there's always like an Iowan or a, a kind of a small state kid, it seems like in the Midwest, that always kind of gets a little jump late after a senior film. So it's obviously, like you said, a process that the big top 247 summer update came out from summer camps, but kind of the next big thing is now these kids have to play and put – put senior film out there and that might be a good way to round it out as this last one is uh two I, I want to kind of mine all the knowledge that you've seen of these guys you you've you know you're seeing all these guys across the country so you're not seeing all 18 guys in their class but you said you have seen these other guys so I wanted to at least get some thoughts on them and that's going back to Matt Campbell's uh old territory Ohio uh they have Sam Rengert an offensive lineman number 14 in Ohio by 24-7 sports and Mayan Williams uh a running back from Cincinnati number 17 prospect from Ohio by 24-7 sports. So two top 20 players from the state of Ohio, obviously that's a, a deep state. And these two kind of fit your previous point of senior film because um, talking to Alan True and Bill Green, um, you know, Bill in Ohio, Alan, just Midwest in general, um, you know, Sam Rengert's a guy that obviously Paris Johnson is clearly the top tackle in Ohio, the top player in Ohio, a five-star. But I think Alan said that, you know, after him, that number two offensive tackle is kind of up for grabs, and and Rengert maybe is in that conversation. And then Mayan Williams, you know, Bill Green, I think Steve Wiltfong, um, kind of throwing all these analyst names out there, but they they think he's arguably you know in contention to be one of the best running backs in Ohio. So, right. you know, those are guys that you know can see what they do in their senior year, but they're already pretty well regarded as top twenty guys in a in a good state. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you know going into Ohio and being able to get, uh, I think. Currently, I think Ringert's 14th and, and Maya Williams is, is 17th. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's you know, pretty impressive haul, you know, going into, you know, I think probably what's a top, I don't know, five or six talent-producing state um, in the country. Um, so, yeah, I, I think kind of touching on each of those guys individually, um, Ringert, you know, big-bodied, uh, but but still, I think I think he carries you know his weight pretty well. I, that's one thing I look for is just is just kind of their proportions and and you want a guy who can who is really athletic, um, and first like that's that's kind of what I look for first. And I, I think you know the, the returns that we've gotten just from kind of you know him going to these team summer camps is he he moves pretty well, um, and and is one that that's you know I think gonna just conti- keep can, you know continue to improve. And, and, and Mayan Williams, um, you know, it's just, I think with, with him, you're talking just, he's hyper productive. You know, he's just very, very um, prolific on the high school level, ran for a ton of yards and touchdowns. Um, I think he plays like pretty solid competition too, I want to say. Um, so, so yeah, and I, I think, you know, you, it's not really fair to compare guys to maybe like a, like a David Montgomery, but it's kind of some of the traits that you might've seen with, with Montgomery is just kind of not always the flashiest running back, but he's just like kind of a, kind of a blue collar guy who will, you know, stick his face in the fan and, and, you know, pick up, pick up a bunch of yards, yards after contact, breaking tackles. Um, so I, I think that's kind of a similar type. Maybe I, I don't want to like put too much pressure on him, but, 
um, that's kind of like the the kind of back that that Mayan Williams is also. So, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's I think that's a, a smart strategy. You know, I think when you look at the state of Ohio this year, it's probably not as deep at the top as it typically is. So you don't really have um, Ohio State really recruiting a ton of guys there. So it's kind of it might be kind of smart to like maybe go in there and and, and nab some because um, they're because they're just recruiting nat they're they're recruiting so far nationally at this point. I think they have a bunch of guys from the West Coast that they're targeting. So um, I think I think if you're obviously that's a smart strategy to kind of go in there and 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 mine that state also. So so yeah, I mean I think those are two guys for sure to watch and. Um, I'm kind of monitoring, trying to monitor the state of Ohio pretty closely too, because I think we're going to probably going to have some, some senior risers um, from that state. Well, thanks for taking so much time. I think we, we uh, touched on a lot of the most visible prospects, which you know, for the for the casual fan, the casual listener, you'll they like to hear about the quarterbacks and the receivers and the running backs. Right. So it worked yeah. out well that those are the guys that you've uh, mostly seen. But uh, I was listening to the 24/7 Sports Recruiting Podcast, which you're obviously on, and um, you know, heard just some of your different breakdowns and I thought it'd be good to bring you on. So thanks for taking some time and uh, maybe we'll catch up uh, when it's closer to signing day. If you've seen some of these other guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Charles power for taking some time out of his day to join the cyclone scoop. Uh, Like I said, at the top, Charles is one of the five members of the 24 seven sports rankings council, which is pouring through these, these kids film. They're going to camps. They're uh, doing everything, you know, talking to people, to evaluate these these players and uh so when you see guys shift uh he's one of the people playing a role in that we've obviously got other analysts across the country i've had alan true on three times already on the cyclone scoop and uh, that's why i wanted to bring on charles just a a different voice uh someone else you can hear from and uh, someone who has seen a handful of these guys uh, whether it's on film but especially with the guys we talked about on this episode in person so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the cyclone scoop this one was obviously all recruiting focused but iowa state begins fall camp on august 2nd and from there on out it's going to be a lot of talk about the 2019 season we're going to obviously still come back and do some recruiting because that's a big part of of this podcast and my job Uh, but there's a lot of football talk to come up uh, beginning with fall camp so thanks for joining me here and uh, we've got a lot coming for you in the month of august in the lead up to the august 31st season opener 